0: I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of people, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we believe in you here today. We believe that you are with us, dwelling amongst us. Lord, we believe that uh, your church is the temple of the living God and that you dwell in our midst by the power of your spirit and you are here to give grace, give blessing, mercy. Uh, you're here to open blind eyes. Uh, you are here to resurrect the dead spiritually. Lord, we believe in your spirit and pray that he would work mightily in our lives now in Christ's name. Uh, Amen. Amen. So we we are currently in a teaching series called Real Faith, uh, a study on the Apostles' Creed. If you're unfamiliar with the Apostles' Creed, uh, it was a summary uh, of the Christian faith. It was developed around 300 um, A.D. So it is a summary of the Bible's teaching. It's like a quick start guide. Um, We installed a new uh, thermostat in my house, and it came with a little tiny little manual, quick start guide. So it's kind of like the, the essentials that you need to know in order to get your, your thermostat uh, working. So uh, the Apostles' Creed is like that. It's a, it's a small instruction manual to get you going in the Bible. Um, so today we're going to look at the phrase, he descended into hell. Right? We got that? Yeah. So uh, this is referring to Jesus. Uh, I go to the gym a couple times uh, a week. I know it's obvious. It's okay. It's obvious. Not really. Um, the, the fact that I'd make it to the gym is, is a miracle, but I, I go, I don't enjoy lifting weights or anything like that, it's too painful, uh, but I do like a little bit of cardio, so I like to shoot basketball and just run around and, you know, do some push-ups and sit-ups, but that gets kind of boring after a while, so I downloaded this uh, basketball skills app, and uh, so I used it uh, th- this past week, and all these different, you know, skills dribbling skills and shooting skills. I'm going to tell you, 15 minutes, I was dripping sweat. It was challenging. Uh, today is going to be challenging. We are going to drip some sweat. Is that okay? Um, we're not going to do like jumping jacks or anything like that. Mental sweat. Mental, uh, spiritual sweat. So the phrase descended into hell is talking about what happened when Jesus uh, died, which ought to make us consider our own life and death. Um, I went to uh, visit uh, a dying man recently. He actually died last Sunday. And I went to see him. He could barely talk. He had two questions on his mind. First was, What's going to happen to me when I die? All right, that's what he, facing his own mortality, that was his question. So that's what I want to think about today. First question is, What's going to happen to you uh, when you die? I mean, how can you really know? I mean, if you, if you looked at the best uh, answers in science and uh, what they say about what's gonna ha- what happens in death, you know, can you really know uh, from science? Uh, what is the prevailing view about human life in the scientific community? Well, it, it's not really scientific, right? That may be a surprise. It's actually religious. It's something called materialism. And uh, materialism is just basically saying that matter is the sole explanatory cause of all things. So all there is is matter, stuff, physical stuff. Uh, Which, let me just break that down even more simply. You came from nothing, you're headed towards nothing, and eventually the world is going to turn into nothing. That's what uh, science basically teaches. This guy named Stephen Hawking, he died in 2018. He was an English uh, theoretical physicist. Cosmologist at the University of Cambridge, this is what he said, we are just an advanced breed of monkeys on a minor planet of a very average star, but we can understand the universe and that makes us something very special. I don't know if it does, but that would be nice, like you get your family a Christmas picture, you put that little quote right there at the bottom of it, just to bless everybody and encourage everybody during the Christmas time. Uh, science ultimately can't tell you about the afterlife. Every major religion has a view of the afterlife, by the way, not just Christians. Christians aren't the only uh, people that have to answer the question, what's going to happen to you uh, when you die? Can modern spirituality help you with this question? Uh, Last week, uh, the Morgan County Arts Council, uh, the Ice House, um, hosted the uh, Festival of Lights. I don't know if you guys... uh, I saw that, but they advertised tarot cards, astrology, crystals, numerology, copper, body workers. I have no clue what that is. I don't know if I want to know what, uh, what a body worker is. But uh, essential oils, I mean, when you're facing uh, death, are is, is essential oils really going to help you? Are they going to help you understand uh, what's going to happen to you after you die? Uh, Belief in reincarnation, the the belief that people will be reborn again and again in this world is is a view held by 33% of people. Other people believe that when you die, your soul returns to uh, universal energy. Right? See, ultimately, uh, modern spirituality is uh, contradictory and confusing and can't ultimately help you uh, with this question of of what's going to happen to you when you die. But here's the good news today. The good news is you can know what's going to happen to you When you die, because of Jesus, because Jesus experienced death himself, which, by the way, is a settled historical fact. If you don't believe that Jesus is real and that he really died under Pontius Pilate in the first century, all right, then I don't know what to do with you. I pray for you and just bless you, but um, that's just what it is. It's also a settled fact that his tomb was empty; his grave was empty. And uh, his disciples all of a sudden had this change of life. Thousands of Jews all of a sudden flip-flopped their beliefs and started worshiping uh, uh, this Messiah that uh, claimed to be resurrected uh, from the dead. The, and the only thing that makes sense out of those facts is that that man came back, that Jesus really did resurrect from the dead. And Jesus believed the Bible was the Word of God, like every, every cross of the T, every dot of the I, Jesus believed was Uh, inspired by God. The question is, do we? Do we really believe that? If we really believe the Bible is the Word of God, then we have to go with it wherever Jesus goes, right? And at times, uh, this is going to be very challenging. I I hope that if you listen to the Bible, you read the Bible, it it challenges what you believe, you know, because when we come to the Bible, we come from uh, different perspectives. We have different backgrounds, different relationships, uh, church histories, philosophies, experiences in life, and all that stuff affects how we, we look at the Scriptures. But I hope you are constantly learning and growing uh, in your knowledge of the Bible. I'll just be honest with you, this, this week of, uh, of studying and preparing was, uh, was uh, challenging to me, and, and it was a growth process for me. Let's look at uh, something Jesus said here about life and death. Matthew chapter twenty, verse four, uh, 12, verse 40. This is Jesus speaking. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. So what story in the Bible is Jesus referring to here? He's referring to Jonah and the big fish. uh, Which, by the way, is a book in the Bible. The book of Jonah. He was a minor prophet uh, in in ancient uh, Israel. And uh, Jesus believed in that story. He believed that and said it was God's word. So what does this story and the Bible teach us about what's going to happen um, when we die? Well, first, let's step back. It teaches you about what type of world you're living in. All right? This world that you're living in is not just an average planet like Stephen Hawking thought. This, this is the focal point of God's uh, plan of salvation in history. This is the place that God sent his son, the Lord Jesus, Right? Uh, our planet, our world, is not just a part of everything. Right? We are not uh, Hindus or Buddhists or pantheists that believe that all there is is just one reality and everything is a part uh, of that. Right? There is our universe, this planet, and then there is God outside of it. There is a Creator, and there is His creation. He is intimately involved uh, with His creation. Um, Matter is not all there is. There is a spiritual realm. Angels and all kinds of hierarchy of spiritual beings and demons. You are not just a physical being. You are physical and spiritual. Body and, body and soul. There is a justification and vindication for the righteous. And there is a judgment for the wicked. There is a heaven and a hell. All right, this is what the Bible teaches. Jonah is a, is a, a, a prophet in the, in the Bible. God called him to preach the good news to his enemies, and he said, I don't want to do that. I don't like these people, and he went on the run from God. He got on a ship, boarded his ship, headed to as far away from them as they possibly could and what God was calling him to do, when it was out on the open sea, and all of a sudden it turned into the deadliest catch, right? The, the, uh, the, the waves, uh, everybody thought they were going to die on this ship, and Jonah said, it's my fault, and he said, just chuck me overboard. And it'll all end. And they took him and tossed his tail into the, uh, into the ocean, and, and the waters um, ceased. And then God sent a big fish to gobble him up. And Jesus is saying that this is 100% true. By the way, did you see that? The resurrected Jesus, the one who came back from the dead, said, yeah, that story about the big fish, all true, by the way. Um, and so let's look, at, let's look at the book of Jonah real quick, the story that Jesus is referring to, and look at what he says about death. Jonah chapter 2, Verse 2. By the way, Jonah chapter 2 is a a prayer to God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. See, this is the world you live in. You live in the type of world and reality that has a place called Sheol or Sheol. It's a, a Hebrew word, Old Testament word referring to Uh, what happens when uh, people die. I actually have it. Actually, I'm going to show it to you right here. That's the word. There's the Hebrew, and there's the English uh, transliteration. It is the underworld where all the dead go. This is how the the people uh, during Jesus' day understood uh, where you go when you die. So in this place is both the righteous and the unrighteous, faithful and the unfaithful. Right? Uh, the, the wicked are there, uh, away from the presence of God, uh, suffering uh, under the judgment of God, and the, and the righteous are not. Jewish people living in Jesus' day did not see a meaningful life after death. We have to, we have to know this deep down. They were looking forward for hope uh, after death, not knowing where it would come from. See, we, we are looking uh, after Jesus, past Jesus, uh, back, and uh, we have hope. Uh, in the midst of death, at least we should as believers, but they were looking forward not knowing what, how, how to overcome this great uh, enemy, right? Uh, so they were looking forward uh, with hope. Look at how Jonah talks about uh, this place, uh, Sheol, in verse 4. And he says, and I said, I have been banished from your sight, he's talking to God, yet I will once more, I will look once more towards your holy temple. You see, they viewed the place of the dead as being away from the sight of God, away from uh, the presence of God. And why is that? Why did Jonah say here, I'm being banished from your sight? Well, because he was away from the temple, right? The, the temple in Jerusalem was where God dwelt in the midst of his people, where they had access uh, to God and to, to die. To go into the underworld was to be away from his sight and to be away from Uh, His presence. The temple in Jerusalem was where heaven touched down on earth. It's where God came uh, and and dwelt with his people. And this has always been God's plan from the very beginning all the way to the end of uh, of the scriptures, is to live with us, to dwell with us, to walk and talk um, um, with us. And death saws that in two. See, we have, to, we have to grapple with the horror of death, that God has always wanted and planned to be with us, and death severs that um, relationship. The death and burial of Jesus forces us to deal with the reality of death. But that's not something we like to talk about, is it? And Maybe even um, this topic here this morning is you know, not what you came here for, not what you uh, want to think about. We, we try to distract ourselves from thinking about death. We try to numb ourselves and medicate ourselves. And we do all kinds of things not to wrestle with this, right? But because it's something that we fear deep down on the inside. And this became clear over the past three years during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic or shamdemic, right? It was really a shamdemic. I want to read to you something uh, some friends of mine wrote about this. Here's what they say. Governing officials were caught lying about the data. This is about COVID. They contradicted themselves repeatedly. They suppressed dissenting views from leading scientists and public health experts, and they provide references for all this. They forced millions to comply with mask mandates that current scientific studies had already questioned. Prior to COVID, uh, there's a whole uh, world of scientific uh, research about masks and whether they are effective Right And they were already uh, um, doubting whether they were or not, had already questioned and which subsequent studies thoroughly proved don't work. They guilted millions more into getting a vaccine that turned out to be significantly less effective and significantly more risky than aver- than had advertised. And virtually the whole world went along with this out of fear, out of fear of death. Now now we didn't, because we started our church during that time, because we wanted people to have a real hope real confidence in the midst of a world of death. But we need to deal with our fear of death. So I work uh, for the county uh, at something called the Day Report Center, working with uh, uh, folks struggling with substance abuse. And uh, every week I get an opportunity to lead a group of of men. Uh, And uh, we've been watching an ESPN uh, 30 for 30 documentary and talking about the preciousness of life. Because so many people in our community have overdosed and died uh, from uh, drugs. And uh, we're just talking about how their lives matter. This documentary is called uh, Without Bias. It's about a Maryland basketball player um, named Len Bias. Uh, He had just been drafted uh, in the the NBA. Uh, Some people say he was as good as Michael Jordan and tragically died of of a drug overdose. And um, I want you to hear what his mother said about the day that he died. She said, one thing about death coming where it is a shock to you is you become sensitive to everything that is going on around you because you are so broken and so torn up that you can't even imagine why the sun is coming out. Someone else uh, in a documentary uh, said, it was our innocence that was taken from us. We were not naive anymore. We were not in that fantasy world anymore. And here's what I'm saying to you this morning. Don't be naive. Don't uh, live in a fantasy world death is not natural death is not the way the world was supposed to be death is a is our biggest enemy it is a foreign uh, invader look at how uh, romans chapter 12 uh, chapter 5 verse 12 talks about this therefore just as sin entered into the world through one man that's adam sin came into the world through adam here's the result and death through sin in this way death spread to all people because all sin see all of us in adam we are sinners Therefore, we all go to the grave. We were created up out of the earth, and the curse of sin is, is the decreation and going back down into the earth, the severing of uh, body, body and soul and our, and our um, access to the presence of God. So, Sheol she-o was not the way that life was supposed to be, and this is where the creed says that Jesus went to. There was three days that Jesus died, Right? I mean, regardless of what you, you believe here this morning about that, uh, the creed, something happened to Jesus during those three days, right? His body was in the grave, but he was a whole person, right? Body, body and soul, something happened uh, to him. I, I want to show you that it was a uh, Sheol to where he went. Now, are, are you guys ready to think? You guys ready to sweat a little bit? Okay, all right. The creed uses the word um, hell. Now, when we hear the word hell, what do we think about? We think about the final judgment, don't we? Uh, the, lake of, the lake of fire and, and all that, and that is true. That is, that is how the Bible uh, uses that word. But the meaning of the word hell has changed since the English form of the creed was uh, fixed. Originally, uh, back in the day, you know, English has changed over the years. The word hell meant something more like the place of the dead where everybody goes. So it was equivalent to the word uh, sheol, right? So let me give you an example. The King James Version of the Bible, you guys know when the King James uh, Version of the Bible was written? 1611, the year 1611, that was quite a few years ago. People spoke a little bit different back then. The King James Bible translates the word sheol over 30 times as hell. So uh, obviously uh, referring to something different than the the final judgment. And the Apostles' Creed was not originally written in uh, English. It was written in Greek. And it uses a Greek word that refers more to a place where all people go as opposed to the final judgment. Okay? And that word is the word Hades. Right? And I have that up here for you too. The Greek word Hades, it's the underworld where all the dead go. Do you guys see? Let me go to the next slide here. Hades equals Sheol. It is referring to the same place where the underworld where all the dead go. Right. You, guys, you guys okay? You guys having fun with all these, uh, these words? And we got to distinguish between Sheol, Hades, and the final judgment, which is the lake of fire, because those, the, there's a difference. Jesus does this even in our passage in Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to show you. Matthew 12, verse 41. Again, he's talking about this story about Jonah going to Nineveh. The men of Nineveh will stand up. Look at this. At the judgment. With this generation and condemn it because they repented... At Jonah's preaching, and look, something greater than Jonah is here. So Jesus says that He is going to die, and He's going to go into the heart of the earth uh, for three days, right? But then there's something in the future. There's this final judgment, right? So He makes a distinction uh, between the two. I'll show you another place where uh, the Bible does this. Revelation chapter twenty, verse fourteen. We got this. Death and Hades, referring to Sheol. We're thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Do you see that? We got, we're talking about two different things here. We have Hades, and then we have the lake of fire, and Hades is going to be lifted up and thrown into this. Okay, so it's talking about two different things. So Jesus knew that he was going to die and go to Sheol, or Hades. He was dead, buried, and he was only there for a short time, Three days. It's also important to know that, that Sheol had two parts. Remember, we, we talked about this earlier. We had one for the righteous and one for the unrighteous. We had a part for the faithful and one for the, uh, for the, uh, the unfaithful. And Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, shows us this in the story about the, the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. Right, He says, and he's talking about uh, the rich man here, And being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham, a long way off with Lazarus at his side. See that? Abraham was, uh, was uh, in a place of blessing, not a place of, uh, of torment, but um, the, the rich man uh, was not. Later on in Luke 16, it says that there was a chasm, a great divider, a wall. Here's what we've got to think about. It. Sheol was like an airport, Right? Uh, I don't know about you, but I like traveling. Like, I like going to airports. I don't, I don't do it that often, right? It's kind of like an, an adventure. You know, up in the airport, they got like restaurants and uh, coffee shops and um, bookstores, you know, just kind of interesting stuff. Weird people to watch. You can do all kinds of people watching up in the airport. Somebody's always doing something crazy up in the airport, right? Uh, but so that, that's the good part of the airport. Airports also have holding rooms for people who commit crimes up in the airport. So Sheol was like that. Jesus was not in the holding cell part, um, suffering for uh, our sins. He did that once for all at the cross. Jesus on the cross when he was suffering and dying said, it is finished. The Bible uh, makes it clear that Jesus offered himself once for all, and it was done at the cross. So what was Jesus doing those three days? Don't you you, inquiring minds want to know these things? What was Jesus doing? Well, he was leading people like Jonah and Abraham to their connecting flights so they could make it all the way home to their final destination. You know, connecting flights, uh, if you go to Brazil, say for instance, you're down in Brazil, you're not just going to fly from Brazil back to um, BWI. You've got you to stop in Miami, you've got to go through customs, and then you might take another flight someplace else, and then you go to BWI, right? So this is what uh, Jesus was doing. He... Uh, took these people to heaven. He took them into uh, God's presence. Jesus experienced death like they did. Jesus experienced death uh, like we all do, but he went, he went down into the grave. He went down into Sheol to bring them the victory that they had always been looking for. Just like Jonah said, listen, I'm, I'm going to be away from God's presence. You know, don't, the, the psalmist said, don't abandon me to this place of Sheol because this is not the way that life was meant to be lived. Jesus went down there to bring him his victory uh, at the cross. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. And it says, For it says, when he ascended on high, he took ca- the captives captive and he gave gifts to people. This is referring to Psalm 68. But what is it? what does he, he ascended? mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth which sounds very much like jesus words in matthew uh chapter 12 he says i'm gonna be in the heart of the earth right a lot of the uh the early church fathers um you guys still with me everybody having fun yet okay it's kind of like that basketball skills that sweat um yeah so uh that so the early church fathers were these folks that had been discipled by um the apostles and the early leaders of the church believed that this passage right here uh, referred to the descent of Jesus into uh, Sheol or Hades. I said that another passage. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. This is a beautiful passage. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all. He's changed places with us. The righteous for the unrighteous. Look at this, how beautiful is this? That he might bring you to God. This is why Jesus died. So that he could bring you... Uh, to God, into God's presence. He was put to death in the flesh. His body died, but made alive by the Spirit. Now look at this. In which, by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison. What in the world is this referring to? I think it was refer- it's referring to what Jesus was doing during those three days in the grave. He was preaching and taking people to heaven. Is what he was doing. He was leading. He was. He was telling them that. Listen, your faith. You got to think about Abraham. You know, Jesus said uh, in in John chapter eight, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Abraham was able to look forward and to see Christ coming into the world. You know what? I think when Jesus went down there, right, and he saw the nail scars in his hand and the fact that uh, he 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 was alive in the spirit, I think that Abraham rejoiced. Yes, my sins are forgiven. Yes, God was faithful to send the Messiah into the world. He went to bring them home to God the Father. He also went announcing the victory over all of his enemies. See, there was communication across the good part and the bad part. I think he went telling those folks, those rebels and the enemies and the wicked, right? Listen, that you can't stop God. God has accomplished all of his plans and all of his purposes. But there's more. This is just the three days. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. His dead body woke up and came back to life. And the creed says that He ascended into heaven. Jesus got up out of the grave physically, bodily, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father from where He shall come to judge the living and the dead. You see, Jesus going there, taking the all the people that had believed in God, in the Messiah prior, taking them to heaven was just the connecting flight. That's just Brazil to um, Miami, right? Heaven is not the final destination for Christians, by the way. You guys know that, right? What's going to happen to you when you die? Heaven's not the final destination. We just sang it. I believe that I'm going to walk in the land of the living, Right? Look at this. I'm going, to show you, I'm going to show you the final destination. What is home going to look like? Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 and 2. And John, the Apostle John is seeing this vision of the future. And this is what he said. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. When it says the sea no more, it was no more, all that means is all the bad things about life are going to be gone. No more evil, no more death, no more suffering. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God. I saw it coming down out of heaven, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. You see, the hope of all of heaven is a new heavenly earth. This is the hope of Christians. The hope of Christians is not some um, bodiless existence floating around like a spirit up in heaven. This This is why all of heaven is longing to come back. And as the Creed says, to have a resurrected body in a resurrected world. Jesus' resurrected body was the beginning of this new heaven and new earth where there's going to be no more death and no more tears and no more mourning and no more demons and no more devil and no more sin. And what is this holy city right here? What is this holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven uh, like, a, like a bride. Well, the bride of Christ is all of God's people from the very beginning who take Him by faith, who believe in Him. People like Jonah are going to come down out of heaven and repopulate the earth. People like St. Augustine are going to come back come back again and have victory over death. They are waiting to come back with Jesus. They're waiting for Jesus. Uh, right, right past this passage in Revelation chapter 21, Jesus says, from the throne of God, behold, I make all things new. This is what Jesus is doing. He is making everything new again, and this is our peace. And that's the other question this man uh, was dying asked me. How can I have peace? Right? As he faced his last days, he wanted to know, how can I have peace? How can I have peace in the midst of death? And this is what I showed him. I showed him uh, John chapter 16, verse uh, 33. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous because I've conquered the world. Listen, don't be naive. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't be naive. You're going to suffer in this life. Everybody in this room is going to die. There will be a point where you take, you take your last breath. And here's my question for you Are you ready for that? Are you ready? This dying man wanted to get himself ready. He wanted to be ready. And I believe when we took his last breath, he walked right into the presence of, uh, of Jesus. You can have peace. This is the good news of what Jesus is saying is that you can have peace in life. You can have peace in death. Look at what Jesus says here, right here. In me, you may have peace. Has anybody in the history of the world ever said anything like that? In me. If you believe in me, if you come to me, you can have peace. Have you come to Jesus? Have you come to Jesus and settled it in your own soul that there is peace and peace alone in Jesus? If not, today's the day. What are you waiting on? You need need to settle it today with Jesus that you believe that he lived, died, rose, resurrected from the dead, and you want to have peace in him. You want to come to him today for forgiveness of your sins, to have a new life, a new relationship with him. You need to come right now. Because right, you don't know when your last breath is going to be. Right? And there is a real judgment. Right? There, is a real, there is a real hell. There is a real holding cell where real people are awaiting the final judgment. Right? And as C.S. Lewis says, the door is locked from the inside. Right? See, those folks down there got God locked out. They don't want God there. Right? They, had, they didn't want Him their whole life. They wanted to find peace in any and everything other than Jesus. Right? And God's given them what they want for all of eternity. The question is, what do you want? What do you, what do you want? You see, there is a real peace. Right? There's real peace that's found in Jesus. If you believe in Him, you can have peace here today. If you are a Christian here today, you can have peace in your soul, in your heart, your mind, uh, because, of, because of Jesus. And when you die, here's the good news, you're going to be with Him forever. What? This is, this is incredible. We are going to be resurrected right here. We're, coming, we're going to either we die before he comes. We're going to be with him in heaven. And one day we're going to come back and he's going to make all things new again. Whoa, this is going to be crazy. You can have peace because Jesus has overcome the world. Look at what he says. I have overcome the world. Listen, everything the world threw at him. Lies, scandal injustice, right? The government, the government murdered him. They put him in the grave. They wrote a huge, massive stone. They had all these Roman soldiers, this, this uh, Navy SEAL team in front of the grave. And that man got out the grave. He's overcome the world. He's overcome every evil force. He overcame all of our sin. He's resurrected from the dead. Listen, everything that Jesus wants to do, he can do and he will do and he's going to do. He suffered and died for all your sins at the cross. They are done if you believe in him. Canceled, forgiven, buried into the heart of the sea, vanquished. He was buried, went into the tomb, went down to Sheol. And like a coach, you know, you come into the locker room after you win the championship, you start popping bottles, you start getting excited. Yeah, I won the victory. I overcame the world. I overcame the sin. I overcame it all. And he took them to celebrate in heaven. He rose victorious over death. I love what uh, J.I. Packer, a theologian, said in his book Growing in Christ about this phrase, he descended into hell. We can face death knowing that when it comes, we shall not find ourselves alone. Amen. He's been there before us. Jesus has already tasted death for you. And he will see us through. You can have peace today. That is the good news that's offered to you free of charge, right? Come and find your peace. Come to Jesus. Go back to John, six, uh, uh, John 16 real quick. He says that i told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And when the Bible talks about peace, yes, it is talking about internal, psychological, spiritual, but it also means the peace that makes everything new. See, this is the Bible's word for peace uh, in in the Hebrew Bible is the word shalom, which means everything is right. It means peace with God, peace with each other, but also peace with the physical world. This world out here is busted, by the way. It kills us. It swallows us up in the end, and the door is locked when the dirt is thrown over top of us. But Jesus says that in him... Is peace. He fixes all that. Right? He fixes uh, this world. He fixes us. Real peace is heaven dwelling on earth with death cut in two. It is God dwelling with man. And that is the peace that we can have now. We can have a foretaste, an appetizer of that peace now as we believe in Jesus. But one day, one day soon, that peace is going to flood the entire world, right? This is the hope that we have, right? And this is, this, is, this is the hope that we need to respond to by faith and with the help of God now, right? And if this is, if this is true, if all these things are true, if Jesus has overcome the world, then what do we got to be scared of? What do we got to be scared of? Jesus says, listen, in, in the face of what crushes the world, death, we can be courageous. He says, be courageous courageous. And that's what we're we'll to respond to now.